Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had, which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at, I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with My Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm good. Still, still hurting with my humidity here in South Florida, but otherwise I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, guys, native Miamian. But anyway, today I have a super, super interesting guest. Uh, what I have today is a gentleman by the name of Reverend John Marcus Polk. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background on him. He was born in 1969 in Raleigh, North Carolina. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree in broadcasting and also in metaphysics from the University of Sedona. He's a minister and a sui reiki master, and he's also the founder of Wolf Spirit Ministries. Now, he has the gift and the ability to be a channel and a medium, and you know, guys, that I've spoken to you before on the show that not everybody has that gift of being a medium and being able to channel, even if you're psychic. Now, uh, he has uh, a book, one of which he wrote, which is Yahweh the Biblical, God is an Alien, and uh, he adds his insights into the ancient alien theory, and we'll get into that, and um, as a theologian, and also the area of exospirituality and how, um, as humans, we should value our own human experience over what we are told is reality. And there's a lot of theories coming up with that. He lives in Florida, yay, and uh, he's presently working on other writing and media projects. But anyway, let me bring him on. How are you doing today, John? I'm outstanding. Thanks for having me on the show. On the contrary, it is my pleasure, my absolute pleasure. So, John, I'm going to do what I do to all my guests, which is ask you. Obviously, you know, we know from your bio that you have the ability of being, of channeling and being a medium. And what happened was, was this during childhood? When was it that you had your first experience? Um, you bring up an astute observation. It was when I was a child, when I was five years old. My mom um, turned me on to the concept that we live in a multi-dimensional existence within ourself, within wow. our own pantheon, within our own pantheon of gods. So to think that we only live in the third dimension on this planet is kind of myopic. It's yes. the very beginning it's the very beginning of what our reality really is. We exist on all dimensional planes simultaneously. Why? Because we have what we call a God self or a soul. And it's part of God, my God in the Bible, who's an alien, 
but they're part of the universal God consciousness, we have a part of that in us. And since the universal God consciousness is omnipotent, mm-hmm. it exists on all dimensional planes simultaneously, since we have a part of that, so do we. And I was taught this concept when I was five years old. Let me ask you, did she, should she explain this to you after had you had your first experience or were you already aware of this? Had she already explained this to you beforehand? Well, I was only five, so. Um, yes, I know. That's what I was going to say. That's, <laughs> you know. But, but, no, good question. Um, you know, when I was a child, um, I could see, I could see angels just like my mom could. Okay. And she she had to explain that to me because I wasn't exactly sure what was happening. And of course, my dad, who was a university president, PhD in education for forty years. Wow. Um, you know, you know, dad. He was a quasi uh, closet believer the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it took mom. You know, it takes mom sometimes to teach you your spirit side. And she yes. did. And, uh, you know, without her, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. That's for sure. I'm sure. And and you know why I say that? Because I've spoken to so many persons that I've interviewed that have had some type of, if it's not psychic ability, they've seen something as a child. And when they approach their families, they're they're not believed or they're told, don't ever talk about that again. And the, these poor children, mm-hmm. sometimes they have to wait till they're like teenagers um to kind of like get answers so the fact that your family was obviously so open-minded and went ahead and explained that to you that i think that's that's priceless that they did that it's the whole thing and it, it it's funny it, you know my dad's a phd in education university president for 40 years but he believed it the whole time but he just wanted to argue you know, I'm sure you've met people like that in your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were these closet believers. And, you know, and if you don't say anything about it, they'll bring it up eventually. But if yeah. you bring it up, they want to argue with you about it. And my dad, <laughs> he's still like that to this day. Well, you know, it, you yeah, know but... and I understand. Um, I, I have a <laughs> son I, I, who, I, I, who graduated with a degree in philosophy. And we go round and round, and I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes he argues the point just to argue the point. And I know that's not really what he believes, but it's just like, you know, um, it's all. And, and you know what? I think that as with any theory or anything that you believe in, it's always good up to a certain point to question, like to test it. You know, I think that if you're really afraid to to find out, you know, in other words, go through a checklist. Does this make sense to me? In other words, believe it because you really believe it, not because somebody else believes it and then you just accept it for what it is. So, But I'm sure that being in that position, he must have had to keep a low profile on that belief system because sometimes in academia, that's not a welcome viewpoint. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, we were rich. We lived in a million-dollar condo on the ocean in Daytona Beach. My dad was president of Daytona Beach Community College, which Mm -hmm. is now Daytona State University. And we lived in this million-dollar condo on the ocean called the Aliki Atrium. And that's where my abductions began. And it was all on hollowed ground. There was so much, uh, let's say... Native American steep heritage on that part of the coast. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and 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 they and I believe that they built this condo right on it. And of course, yes. I had no idea. Of course, and yeah. there was all this spiritual energy. I mean, we had forty-foot palm trees inside the atrium. Wow! And we lived in the penthouse suite, and that's where my abductions began as a kid uh, at fifteen years old. And my mom knew what was going on, and um, it, it was a weird thing. You know, how, how do you explain this to a kid that it's going on because it happened to her and her brothers also okay so i was about to ask you because i've heard that sometimes these abduction things sometimes it happens to other family members it does mm -hmm. and so go ahead go ahead because that's that's like so you you were saying what that you were 15 years old the first time it happened or, or you were younger how about this the first time i remember okay okay a regression i went through a number of regressions. I ended up moving out to Sedona, Arizona in the last year and worked as a medium out there. Okay. Uh, and I met, I met all these yogi masters mm -hmm. and I've never been able to find somebody who could regress me successfully. And I meet this little old lady named Thea Ivy, who was the most powerful human I've ever met in my life. Okay. And she was able to extract all these aggression, the regressions out of my subconsciousness Okay. And it turned out that that when my mom was pregnant with me and my brother, that she went over 10 months with both of us, which is unheard of. Yeah. Now they will induce the pregnancy. Yeah, so they do. They only let it go the, about two weeks. The, exactly. So the reason that she went over 10 months is because she was abducted while she was pregnant with me and my brother, who was born three years later. Um, and... According to the regression, you can't prove anything, it's only regression, but through mm -hmm. the regression, um, that the Anunnaki added DNA to both of us uh, because we're part of that uh, ancient alien heritage. And it took another month to five weeks for us to neurologically cook before we were ready to come into this world because... Okay. Right, I've heard. Let me ask you something. Had your had your mom? Did your mom carry any of the genetics? Had she? Because here, you know, what we're talking is hybridization. Uh, were you the first attempt, or had they all also done something with her when you know when she was young? I believe so. But her brother, her brother used to come home at five in the morning and knock on the door when mm -hmm. he was like between four and eight years old. The oldest. I'm sorry, one of nine children in an Italian-Sicilian family. Mm -hmm. And he would knock on the door at 5 in the morning, and my papa would spank him because he thought he snuck out of the house. But he, he shared a room with three of his brothers, and nobody ever caught him leaving the house. He was being abducted. Right, I mean, right, you, and you especially at that people, age. Nine, nine kids, a mom and a dad, 11 people in the same house. How could they not catch him leaving the house? And they tried to trap him and catch him. Uh -huh. And they couldn't because he was being abducted. So now you have to think that they were administering some kind of alien anesthesia on the whole family so that they could abduct my uncle in the middle of the night. Otherwise, they would have caught him. So, you know, I mean, wow. Let me ask you And he was the only one of the nine that. Well, obviously, and the thing is, usually at that age, kids in the middle of the night, 
they're they're kind of scared of going outside. They're they're not really that. Oh. Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, what I think is that my whole family on that side was under surveillance, basically. Um, you know, my mom, you know, like I said, when I was five years old, it started to teach me about aliens and multiple dimensional existence. I mean, mm-hmm. how many parents teach you that you live in multiple dimensions simultaneously no. <laughs> when you're five years old? No, that's the I first. Mean, uh, and, that's and, that. and I got it and I understood it. Mm-hmm. I mean, try and spin that on your kids today. That That'd be like, huh? <laughs> yeah. In the Pleiades, in the fifth dimension, you know. Or like, oh, well, well, no, no, I'm just, you know, I don't live in the fifth <laughs> dimension like... Pleiades. Well, maybe you do if you just open your mind to it. But we're not opening our minds to it because we're not taught that we even can. And no. my mom taught me these concepts when I was a child. And it's it's unbelievable. So... When you did the regression, and and I'm super interested because, you know, I don't do it now because I'm, but I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm a trained hypnotherapist, so I understand that concept very, very well. Oh, I'd love to lay on your couch. Yeah, well, don't worry. Uh, Let me tell you something. I'm very good at hypnotizing people. Yeah, do it. Different suggestibilities. You know, there's very few people, but the only people that I say I won't regress if there's somebody that's under certain medications, and that's ethically I wouldn't, but otherwise I'm pretty good at regressing just about everybody. Um, I believe it. What I would say is when she did that regression for you, John, were the memories, were they okay? Were you scared? When you recalled them, okay, what was the feeling that they invoked when you realized that, that, you had, that, that, that there was a series of adoptions that you were just not remembering? There was a bunch of them. Okay. And it was, uh, it was very emotional also. Mm-hmm. So, sh- short story, short story, which I could make long, but I'll make it short. That's fine. That's fine. Um, make it as whatever life you want. Uh, all right. Well, September 11th of last year, Hurricane mm-hmm. Irma wrecked my house. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. You remember? You live in Miami. So oh you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't yeah. I, I, I had I don't a tree fall on my fence. Guys. Yeah, yeah. God. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I don't need to tell you how it hit your your place. Yes. But anyway, I I. Something told me to sell my house, and I went out of my way to do my house, and it took me three months to get my house ready to sell, and I sold it to a cash buyer, Okay. Um, and I sold it, and I made a lot of money, and a month later, Hurricane Irma destroyed it. Now, this is very interesting, Marlene. Wow, that's right. Irma came through. Yes, and this is very interesting, Marlene, is that 11 years, 9 months... 11 years, nine months before 9-11 of last year, there was a documentary called Category 7. And what was it about? It was about Hurricane Irma wrecking Florida and Hurricane Harvey destroying Houston, Texas. Now, how is that even possible? Uh, Think about I, it. I'm, I'm like, right now I'm about like almost speechless. Like, huh? That's incredible. And, and you should be. We should all be questioning this. So... So either it was part of the timeline that they were privy to, they knew the timeline before it happened. Okay. And or and or it was created by HARP, which we all know what HARP is now. Yeah. Well, you know what? Or both. I, I can't be sure. I'll, you know, and I think only another Floridian understands this. I mean, I was born and raised in Miami, so I grew up 
so you know about it. I, going know. through hurricanes, you know, you had Andrew, the scares, you know, you had the, yeah. when, you, and you, when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you think it's all exciting because all you're thinking is, oh, no lights, no school, hey. you know, but, um, but, you know, and I, I went, I lived not in Homestead proper, but my house got in Andrew in 92. I, I got hit big time. I'm half of my belongings. I ended up in Kansas and never, never land. But my, really? my thing is I've, I've never experienced this last hurricane season. Well, Harvey obviously went into Texas, but the kind of okay. hurricanes, especially here, I've never had that experience uh-huh. before. They're, they're brutal, but something told me to sell my house. And when I did, I cashed out and, um, the, the cash buyer who bought my house as is, which is a clause to real estate that you can do in Florida and right. about other states. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Sedona, Arizona, because I have a free house to live in for four months. My aunt and uncle are going through health problems. Mm-hmm. They're not at their house. They're in hospitals. And I get to babysit their house. And I become a medium and work as a medium out in Sedona, Arizona. And I, I saw more UFOs than you could imagine. Um, I ended okay. up emceeing UFO conferences, which is exactly what I love to do. Right. Um, it was a complete and total trip. I got abducted multiple times while I was there. And I've been vetted by a bunch of people that are on Ancient Aliens mm-hmm. and other TV shows. <sighs> Let me ask you something, John. Are the ones, yes. this recent abductions, are we talking the same ones as when you were a child? Are we talking different aliens? And I'm going, this is on the premise that there's mm-hmm. more than one type. Great question. So what I, what I think happened to me in Sedona is that there's a huge MyLab presence. And for those that don't know what MyLab, it's military laboratories mm-hmm. and so who who did the my labs abduct the mk ultra or the monarch programs mm-hmm. who did they abduct they abduct alien abductees because they want to do research on what the aliens are doing to them when they abduct them wow and i and i got sucked up into that program um and i i had my own show and last thursday there's this lady named misha johnston who is famous for being an MKUltra and my lab survivor. Mm-hmm. And she went to Sedona about 20 years ago and got abducted by the my labs there. Oh. And yeah, and what I realized through regression, I've done through, been through a bunch of regressions only in the last couple of years, um, is that who is exactly in charge of the my labs and who's doing the abductions themselves is the reptilians and she vetted me on that whole thing and i didn't even realize that she would do it until after i talked to her about it okay so let me ask you and just so what you're saying is that the my lab that's who's behind the my lab is reptilians and it's totally separate who are the aliens who abducted you in childhood are we talking two different groups then we are yeah, okay. All you're, right. You're right. Um, so the, when I was a child, it was the Anunnaki. Okay. Exa- okay. 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 Yeah. You know, my my first book I wrote is Yahweh, the biblical God is an mm-hmm. alien, and who is Yahweh? Yahweh, in effect, is Enlil of the Anunnaki from 
not the planet Nibiru or planet X or planet 1113. It's actually a space station. Um, but yes, they abducted me when my mother was pregnant, like I was talking about earlier. And that's why she was pregnant for like so 10 months and a week. Yeah, uh, that is, that is. Now, did you ever get regressed after you got abducted now in Arizona? Have you ever had a regression to find out what happened? I mean, obviously, if they want to, and I and, and I see where you're going, that they want to know why you're of interest or what they've done. You know, have you ever been regressed to recover memories, or do you remember? Uh, I, I remember because of my regression. So yes, you are right. I did I did go for regressions in Sedona, Arizona, before I moved back to Florida. And I literally I literally moved from Sedona. I was making twelve hundred dollars a week as a medium in Sedona, mm-hmm. which okay. was the most my most favorite job I ever had in my life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I quit my job and moved to Florida, where I'm from. Okay. Because of what the my labs were doing to me out there, and I talked to Misha Johnson about the same thing, and okay. she said there's a huge my lab presence in Sedona. Um, so two different. I, I've been abducted by multiple different factions of ETs my whole life, and um, it's hard to believe and it's hard to explain. Um, but people in my field that do this for a living will vet me on it, and they're either crazy and will put their name on the line, mm-hmm. or they're completely right, and I can't prove it either way. Let me ask you, John, how do you think, when you went to Arizona, how did those at the MyLab know that you were already abducted? Do, is there something about you, or not you specifically, but as, as abductees, something that they can pick up on? How do they know this person has been abducted since childhood by this other group? No, it's a great question, and I think it's something that's very easy for them to pick up on. Okay. Um, If you think about Sedona, people from all over the country and all over the world that are very, very, very spiritual and into extraterrestrials, um, quantum consciousness, etc., will embark on a pilgrimage and move there like I did. I mean, my story is very common, so... I sell my house, I sell all my belongings, I right. with the love of my life, which was incredibly hard to do, and moved to Sedona, and I had a free place to live. I mean, are you kidding me? I move out there, and, and, then, and then I go to an eclipse party on August 21st of last year, during that last eclipse, which was monumental right. for the whole earth, if people yes. don't remember it. Um, and then, who was at the eclipse party? And it was nine in the morning out there, you know, Pacific time. It was all spiritual healers, psychic mediums, authors, researchers, and I'm. And there was like fifteen of us, and we all I'm still friends with all of them to this day. I mean, how prophetic? Are you kidding me? That I move out there with, you know, and then all of a sudden, I run into all these people that do conferences on UFOs. And I, so next thing I know, I'm a, I've been a DJ karaoke guy for 20-something years. I bring my sound system out there. I have multiple microphones. I can interface computers. You can do PowerPoint. 
now everybody's doing their conferences with me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I move out here. I have a free house. I'm emceeing UFO conferences. I'm working as a medium. Okay. In Sedona. And I'm a magnet for UFOs. And I have multiple pictures and videos okay. uh, on, my, on my crummy iPhone that I was able to capture because they were so close to me. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I put myself on a total radar for yeah. the my lab. Yeah, yeah, you I did. did. <laughs> and that's what, and, well, and I'm working in a building full of psychics, and they're like, dude, you shoot lasers up at the sky, you know, and, and have your night vision goggles that are like over $2,000 military issue. You know, you are a total magnet for the my labs. You know, you need to you need to tone it down. And I'm like, no, you know what, flip that. I'm not... <laughs> changing who I am and the next thing you know I started to get abducted violently violently and that's where I wanted to talk to Misha Johnston about what happened to her because she is the same kind of person that I am she's a total magnet she had five siblings of hers murdered by our government because her parents would not allow them to take her siblings into the MK Ultra monarch programs I had her on my last show, and we talked about that at length. But there's mm-hmm. a huge, huge presence for my labs there. Why? Because people from all over the country and yes. all over the world are going there because of the consciousness. The Red Rocks are loaded with quartz crystalline structure, and there's obelisks that, just like in Egypt, that are coming out of mountaintops. Where you're like, if you just look at them, you're like, those had to be built. Those could not be natural. Of course. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're acupuncture points for Earth Grid. And it is so powerful there. And when I moved there, the first day I moved there, four Apache helicopters buzzed the house that I was living in for free. Four Apache helicopters buzzed it multiple times. I'm like, well, I guess they know I'm here. <laughs> I've been followed for a long time. No, I've I know, I've heard for quite a while that yeah, that Arizona, especially that area, is a hotbed of sightings for different UFOs for a long time, long, long time. But uh, it makes you wonder, and 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 that's the thing. Um, one of the things that uh, that I've discussed on other shows is what are the intentions from these different groups of aliens, like. Some of them really, all they want to do is monitor, in other words. They're not really intent on destruction or doing bad things. And then there's others that are kind of like, yeah, on the evil side, for lack of a better word, as to what their intentions are. And there's that there is more than one group that has or is still visiting Earth. Uh, And, of course, you know, there's always a belief that uh, how they travel is uh, interdimensionally, you know, which is, you know, and I'm sure that they have other technologies that we still have no idea about, despite the belief that, yes, that we have traded, you know, information as far as technology. I still think that there's a lot more that we don't know versus what we do know. I agree with you completely. And then what's very interesting is that where I live, um, where I lived, I was living in my aunt and uncle's house, who I told you they both had health problems, and all of a sudden, I have this free house to live in. 
what you call Thunder Mountain. And Thunder Mountain is known to the locals. Mm -hmm. The locals will tell you, the locals will tell you that it's a joint ET military base. Wow. Yes, and there's Boynton Canyon, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Bradshaw Ranch, which is where the the term orbs first was coined. Mm -hmm. They're still... He's 73 years old now. His name's Tom Dongo. Um, anyway, um, he was one of the original researchers at Bradshaw Ranch. And anyway, it's a, a vortex area. There's so much activity out there. It is ridiculous. And if you are our government, our black ops, underground, deep state, why would you not? Why would you not have a huge presence there? So therefore, you do, because there's so much going on there. Um, I, I've, I've gotten multiple videos from my, you know, iPhones are not good for taking UFO mm-hmm. photos at right. all. And I've got some really good footage on my iPhone, on video and still photography. Um, and it's right in my, in my front yard. It was unbelievable. You know, I, I, I mean, you talk about the universal lining for certain things to happen to you in your life. That definitely aligned for me. So, John, do you think, because I know there's different theories, do you think that we were seeded by aliens? Do you think that they we were already here and they started to try to make a hybrid of of the humans that were here and... I don't know if themselves are just, or if they're just experimenting with hybridization to produce a certain outcome. What do you think it is? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I agree with everything that you said. <laughs> I, I do. There was Neanderthal or Neanderthal, depending on what school of philosophy you come from, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they were already there, and they had basic tools. Um, but they were not controllable because they were more animal-like than they were human-like. So okay. they found a way to hybridize their genealogy with Neanderthal and create a new human model, which is us. Right. And, you know, I mean, they can allude to it in the Bible, you know. Well, you know what? It's really funny because, you know, before they... You know, all this DNA testing is so readily available. Yeah. It was never yeah. believed that there was any type of um, interbreeding between Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon or, you know, what are modern humans. And now, after they, you know, that they've done that that pie chart thing, they found out that there was, because myself included, I have 3% Neanderthal DNA. And they found that most humans, so that there was, you know, contrary to what they thought that they thought that these two groups of humans had coexisted and then that Neanderthal had died off and but that there had been no offspring that turns out that that's not the case so that something was going on with the Neanderthals absolutely yeah absolutely and then there's um, hybrids that are part human and part something else and that is proven in Peru with the Paracas skulls where mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've heard of the term sagittal suture. Yes. Yes. So 
humans, Homo sapiens sapien, mm-hmm. we have what you call a sagittal suture. So if you put your finger at the very apex of your head mm-hmm. and run it down to the middle of your forehead, right? there's a, a line that separates the east and west or left or right hemispheres of your brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, these paracas skulls don't have it, but they right. have human DNA, but they have other DNA also. But the skulls are elongated to be able to house house a brain that is at least twice as big as ours. And that brain codes for um, proteins that we don't have that code for uh, cerebral and extrasensory perception that we do have but we're taught that we don't have. Yes. And a lot of them are are height. I'm I'm five nine, but a lot of them are much bigger. But whatever. But the, the skull itself is that much bigger because it had a much bigger brain. So where did that even come from? Right, and, and that was ah. one of the things that modern humans that you know the fontanel, you know, or like you said that those sutures that we have in our skulls as babies that are very yeah. soft. That's what allows yeah. a woman to give birth, and then you know as you grow older they become hardened. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's very interesting as far as, yeah, but I had heard of that and, and I know there's always the, um, you know, that they were saying, well, no, some of these skulls, it's because, uh, they had the, the custom of binding the baby skulls to elongate them. But even then I'm thinking to myself, why would you do that? (laughs) What would, what, what were you modeling in other words? That yeah, you... I agree. Well, supposedly they were modeling them, themselves after the gods, but Linda Moulton Howe came up with some of the best research I've ever seen, mm-hmm. is that there was a fetus, a fetus that died with an elongated skull. So right. they bound the fetus's skull in the womb. You know, I mean, really? <laughs> right, <laughs> so yeah, not, exactly. That proves, the, that proves the, the, the theory of, of binding after birth. But yeah, either way, either way, if you look at it before birth and after birth, if there was the case that they were binding the skulls of the babies, it's of all the things that you would do, want to do to a child. Why would that? Why that one? Uh, and there is proof of it in Africa where it actually did take place with humans doing it. But I, what I believe is that they were doing it to mimic and deify the, their gods. Sure, and who exactly. Were their gods? Their exactly. Gods, their gods were extraterrestrials. And they wanted to look like them. Right. So you know. there's evidence either way. But in Peru, there's no evidence of it in their cultural heritage of them binding children's skulls to look like the gods. But there is in Africa. So it's debatable, but whatever. We can we can hash all that out a lot, you know. Well, and, and, the, and the thing is, again, and... Even if we take that off, if you look at all these structures that have been erected at different parts of the world, supposedly by cultures that at the time that they were built had no contact with each other, we always come back to how did they do it? It's a very plain and simple question. How did they do it? And even now, I've seen that different engineers and they've tried to come up with theories, but they all fall short. And they really cannot understand, number one, how the huge weights were lifted, not one piece of stone, but a lot of them. And the precision with which some of the work was done. 
I have not heard anybody come out with a plausible explanation for that. No, and they can't. I, I've heard of uh, engineers talk about Machu Picchu mm-hmm. and other sites that are like over 12,000 feet yes. elevation. Mm-hmm. How would you even get the equipment up there to lift oh. the stones? Oh, oh, well, let's start there. They didn't have equipment. So how, how could you yes. even, you know, you know a, a few hundred ton boulder that's mathematically carved precisely also so that if there is an earthquake, it won't shatter the structure. How, right. how can you do that? It's kind of ridiculous. And at the, um, the Trilithon in Baalbek, Lebanon, there is a stone that is mathematically placed that is 4.8 million, million pounds. Are you telling me that they used wooden rollers in the desert? Yeah, I know, with the sand. And then lift it, and then lift it, and place it mathematically on top of other megalithic stones, mathematically on the grid lines of the Earth, which, and it's interesting because, uh, let's see, the Trilithon in Baalbek, Lebanon, Mount Sinai, Mount Hermon, and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem are all on the same ley line really? of geodetic, geodetic markers, mathematically, Whoa. perfectly. So yeah. how is that possible? And there's, there's really no trees out there. They live in the desert. So <laughs> right, exactly. Up there. And where'd they even quarry them from? They can't even find where they found the stones. That's that's another and I'm, and that's another thing you know that a lot of these civilizations their manpower was precious to them, whether it was manpower if they had an army or if they were hunters or if they were worked agriculture, manpower was precious because this is what kept society fed, you know and of course they had your artisan you know people that just did stuff, so to think that you're gonna take part of your manpower to divert it to this. You know, let's say if we think about how much manpower it would take, if we didn't look at the mechanics of it, just a huge amount of manpower, you're going to tell me that would take all these men for years, because you could tell that some of these things maybe took quite a while out of whatever they were being using them for. And I mean, let's face it, the Aztec and Mayans, if they had a bad harvest, people were getting sacrificed. That's how important it was to to grow food for them to pull people off men to work these tasks i don't know there's something there that doesn't add up i agree and, and supposedly they had these ramps that mm. that were enabling them to get up to these heights to put the capstones on top of the pyramid but if you do the math the ramps would have been two to three times as big as the pyramid themselves as far as mass wow you know yeah to, to, i mean how do you how do you lift those stones on top of something that's 500 to a few thousand feet high i mean really it's what crazy. do you think it's interesting do you, do you think that i don't know i don't do you think the governments are going to be the first one to admit it, or do you think something's going to actually happen that they, that they can't deny for, 
that they can't say no that that was uh, all the excuses that they come up with that there's going to be some sighting something uh you know what they call that close encounter not the one that something that cannot be just kept under wraps anymore how do you think it's going to happen because i sometimes i think that that's imminent somehow and it, it's it's the question to ask marlene it, it's the best question to ask and nobody has the exact answer but one thing i believe and cannot prove is that the powers that be would rather drive us into poverty and you know being destitute Mm-hmm. And to war, and to war, before wow. they will admit that ETs are really controlling everything. So what I think, what I think will happen, is that it will be almost like Independence Day. Is that oh, massive wow. ships are going to end up? I mean, but I'm, I can't prove I'm right, and I cannot prove I'm wrong. I'm just telling you what I think, because yep. I cannot see the powers that be just admitting that that, that they've been lying to everybody for a long you time. Know, Hooking everybody on drugs, mm-hmm. you know all the all the you know Pizzagate pedophilia, oh, yeah. all, all that sickness. You know, I, I cannot see them admitting to anything ever. The only thing I can see is that massive motherships will end up hovering over. Right. In other words, capital. their hand would be forced. They, there's like I said, there's just just no way that. Yeah. What are, and, and, you, and this is the thing, and I tell everybody, because, I, you know, everybody says, well, you know what, back in the 1950s, when they would have all these um, yeah. flying saucer movies, it was a reaction, you know, fears of the Cold War, and that, you know, fast forward through the 60s, 70s, 80s, we've had all these different movies kind of prepping us for contact with an alien species. And I tell everybody, you know what, yes, there are people out there that are ready and then there's people that that that, that, that you know their their world is very small and rigid. But I said a big percentage of people. I'm telling you, even if you believe it, I think that it's still in the land of possibilities. But I think that if the moment actually came, like you said, either a mothership, like something, or even an admission, anybody. I, there's I think a lot of people that at, for a moment there they kind of like wig out because one thing is what you see. <laughs> You know, when you yeah, see right. ancient aliens yeah, right. and when you're looking at Independence Day and it's like, okay, yeah. you know what? I'm switching off the TV and I'm going to bed because tomorrow I got to get up for work. Versus that versus that reality versus, oh my God, that's a huge mothership hovering over the main city close to where I live. That That would just, I don't know, to be honest with you, how society would handle that because I think despite all they think that they've prepped us, I think we've been fed so many fantasy that we still kind of think that that's a fantasy as far as it ever being real. You know, like, what do you mean? I'm not going to work. Who's going to go to work? There's a, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know. I Sometimes I figure out what would be the easiest, safest way to truly, truly introduce human beings, the world into the possibility, not of the abstract of yes, there's other life in other worlds, like they say, because the universe is so vast. People believe it, understand it, but it's kind of an abstract idea, especially as we're caught out in our multitasking day-to-day existence. That versus the, this is it. No more theories, it's here. <laughs> I'm telling you, that'd be very interesting. That's a very interesting moment if 
when and it well not when that it not if when it happens because I know it's only a matter of time. But yeah, you'd be a you'd have a lot of people that uh, unfortunately I think John that a lot of people live their lives in a very existential or materialistic level. Okay, I don't know if it's because you know there's so much technology and like I said we multitask and before you know it the days become weeks months years and you know we just you know we're caught up looking at our phones in other words and then that's when reality hits you between the eyes something like this that it's like uh, what so what do you think uh, you know I, I would have to agree with every word that you said so <laughs> you know, I, I mean how are we going to deal with it Mm-hmm. And the number one thing, and this is the hardest curve, the hardest curve is to understand that religion was created by extraterrestrials so that we would deify and worship them instead of the real God in all cultures, all across the world. And that's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. You know, and Eric Von Daniken said it himself. If you dig into it deep enough, all the stories have one basic root, is that the gods descended from the sky in fiery chariots. And they either either created man or they interbred with man. And it's all across all religions of the world. And until we start to understand that, and that is the hardest curve, it took me five years of watching Ancient Aliens before I even started to halfway believe it. And I started to research that every culture in the world had the same story, that the gods descended from the skies and fiery chariots and either created man or and created the new model human. And until we can understand that, and that's the hardest curve, um, we're all going to think that religion is based on God, but it's based on extraterrestrials. Well, it's, and you know, I, I think that sometimes, and let me ask you, do you think that the original intent, let's say when they had contact, let's say with these ancient civilizations, were they looking to be deified or was it just that these cultures gave them that status of a deity because it was like, what else were you going to call beings that came from a flying ship and were able to do incredible things? I would say both. Okay. But, but one, and you're right again. But one thing I would say is that they told them that they were the gods. They okay. told them. And, you know, like Viracocha from um, Peru and South America, Mesoamerica, mm-hmm. said that he was the grand architect of the universe and so did Masao uh, to the Hopi the Zuni all the Pueblo nations he Mm -hmm. told them the same thing so did Buddha so did Muhammad so did God you know I mean they they all told them them the grand architect of the universe so they were lying you know did they actually create the universe no none of them did they colonized this planet and they 
wanted us to deify them. And what I learned is that if we deified them and loved them and honored them and were loyal to them, they would give us all the gifts that we wanted. But if we, you know, if we rebelled against them, they would kill us. And that's really the whole construct of religion to this day. Do you, th- and I know you mentioned this about the reptilians. Um, do you think that the reptilians are enmeshed in the government or in agencies that have power? It's because that's what it sounds Ooh, like. Brilliant question, Marlene. Yes. Yes, 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 and yes. Okay. So I remember Ronald Reagan back in the 80s said on TV that I understand my role as the president. Mm-hmm which means that he's not in control <laughs> well, and he knows it. I, 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 you know what I'm thinking? I, I put myself in the place of a person becoming a president and you're coming in there. And as much as you, you may know about the political process or the people involved, if they take you into a room and say, we have something to tell you, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it'd be like, what? <laughs> I mean, how do you prepare for that? I, I think that any president, any person would, it would have to be something like, now that I have this knowledge, I just can't bust out and say it because I have to think of the greater good. And and I'm sure that maybe along the way, maybe they were even told, you cannot say anything. You know, this would, right. uh, you know, cause havoc, uh, worldwide relations or the economy, God knows what. And it's um, a good point. I wouldn't be surprised some president says, you know what? I got too much on my plate. I don't think I can handle the alien thing. Let the next guy handle it. (laughs) Well, when Obama was in office, he went on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Uh And Jimmy Kimmel started to really, you know, hard quiz him on UFOs. Mm -hmm. And Obama said, that's what they tell us to tell you. Right. That's what they tell us to say. Mm -hmm. So who's they? Who's they telling me what to talk about when it? Yes. And he didn't answer the question, which was really his only option. And of course, smart because I don't think he had any other option. But oh, that's what he said. You know, that's what they tell us to. Who's they? Who tells you what to say when it comes and to the UFO? That's a really good question. UFO Who's question. they? Who is they? Who is yeah, they? Yeah. Who is they? Can you define they? Can you give us names? Yeah. addresses, emails, well, no. Yeah. But he said it on Jimmy Kimmel Live in front of America and the world, right. which, uh, you know, what What other option did he have? <laughs> well, and the thing, ab- the thing about the they is that the they is not a limited to two, a four-year term and maybe possibly a second one, but that's it. They could have, they could right. be around for like forever, 30, 40 years, of, you know, whatever. They're not limited by and i think that maybe some presidents if they knew about it it was like okay i can only be here four years at the beginning and maybe if i get reelected, and there's so much i want to do and you know what happens i mean that's a big question mark so i could see why some president would be like okay i now that i know that let me okay like i said we'll let the next guy handle this because i don't know what i would do you know yeah, you know, what what do you do? And it's not his decision. No. Um, you know, after the the whole Exxon or whatever it was in the Gulf of Mexico, the oil spill, 
the Department of the Interior kept building those pipelines through the ocean, even right, through the one, the, all the of one with the BP, uh, the BP catastrophe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah BP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so you know, I mean, I know that Obama was against it. He was. He was trying. But it wasn't his decision. It's not like he's got the ultimate authority to make decisions. Here's a perfect example is uh, uh, Laura Eisenhower, who I've interviewed before. I've had her on my show. Um, the great-granddaughter of Dwight Eisenhower uh-huh. will, will, te- will tell you that her great-grandfather went to Area 51 with the Army. Okay. He was a former, gen- he was a former general. Right. I believe if, if I'm misspeaking, then I'm misspeaking. But whatever, he was huge in the military, mm-hmm. and um, he took a, a, the army to Area 51, and was like demanding answers. And right. you know, wh- whoever it was at Area 51, the guy in charge, ultimately, you know, came out from the bunker, you know, 10, 20 stories down underground, where they're doing experiments with ETs and. Um, back engineering ET technology comes to the surface and has to talk to him and tells him, you know, all right, don't attack us. You know, this is what's going on. And I don't know the whole conversation, but mm-hmm. that actually happened because the president of the United States did not even know what was going on in his own country. Yeah. 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 Kind of like, uh, not exactly, but kind of like hat in hand, like, please tell me what's going on, even though I'm supposedly <laughs> running the country. But yeah. yeah, that's pretty sad. And I think there's a lot, of, there's a reality. That's a reality. A lot of Americans don't want to think about that being possible because, you know, and um, one of the reasons why I also asked you about the reptilian is one of the things that I, it's a, what I did when I was, doing the hypnotherapy and there's several books on it where um and i don't know you've heard the theory that one of them is that some humans are not really humans they're reptilians masquerading as humans in other words that they can give the 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 appearance in other words the that, that they look like human but that what you're seeing is not what you're not really seeing that and the other theory is that and i'm going to use the word possession in the sense of because but in other words that that a person a human being could be possessed by a reptilian as in that their thoughts and actions the same thing that we think of when we think of a possession in other words the reptilian is the one running the human have you ever heard of that con that that theory absolutely uh, you know you can call it archons mm-hmm. um we, we all have what you call walk-ins all right. of us. I don't. I don't care who you are, and mm-hmm. for the most part, it's positive. You know, we have angels and we have guardians that love us and protect us, and that are right. assigned to us. Like it's, you know, they die and they ascend. They go to the light, they come back, and now right. all of a sudden, this this primitive human, which we don't think of ourselves like that, in the third dimension, needs a guardian, needs a guide. Um, you know, so all of a sudden they're assigned to guard us and protect us, and they can actually walk into us and change our thoughts or give us thoughts to guide us in certain directions. Right. And, and well, the reptilians are doing it also. So what I believe is that our world leaders 
um, Obama, Trump, the Bushes, the Clintons, mm-hmm. the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Illuminati, um, Bill Gates, etc., have either walk-ins and or they are Draco reptilian human hybrids. And if you cut them open on an examining table, they are perfectly anatomically human, but they have that reptilian presence or something about them reptilian that guides them um, into certain directions. And yeah, so you brought it up and I, I was I was putting that in my back pocket, but yes, well, yeah, it, I it, totally it, believe it. Right, because I mean, one is, you know, you've heard of what they call, when, whether you want to ascribe it to Illuminati, but the, what they call the reptilian bloodlines, which are historically yeah. all these powerful families that, in other words, that uh, they basically intermarriage. There's intermarriage among all these families in order to keep this reptilian. In other words, it's more physical versus uh, a takeover or a possession. Uh, and that, that's, that they've, for generations, that's how they keep this hybridization and that they look human, but they're not really. And the way, and what they're motivated by is not the same. And, you know, and then the other thing is where, yeah, you might be totally human as far as, but your actions and you're dictated by is a takeover on a spiritual level, which is, which maybe you think of it, okay, well, let's say you're not a person that belongs to any of these uh, reptilian families, for lack of a better one, one of these Illuminatis or, you know, uh, bloodlines that have been around. Maybe that's the way it works when you're a nobody, I guess. You know, a nobody with that they put in a place of power. Uh, your bloodline is not special, but hey, you know what? We could use you in a certain position, but only... Um, as long as you do what we want to have done. So for that, we got to put this a reptilian in the driver's seat to make sure that it gets done. And I would agree with that also. So, I mean, if you think about it, with all the chemtrails, all the yes. GMOs in the food, the water supply, everything mm-hmm. is giving us and or mind control. And you've heard of the indigo crystalline children? Yes, yes, of course, yes. Well, yes. guess what? Most, if not all computers, guess what they're based with? They're based with quartzite, which really? is crystal. Why? Because it's controllable. So if the new children are quartz crystalline based, guess what? They are easily controllable. Just try and try to take a phone away from a kid. Oh, no. Let me tell uh, you, it's like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and you mean, know it's what? World War Three. It's World War Three. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. It's like on purpose. Yes, yes, and and it's really funny because like I tell everybody, I was hey, I, I'm old enough to remember with we had one landline in the house in the kitchen. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> right. That was it. It was a big deal when my mom got an extension <laughs> put in the bedroom. It was like whoa, we got one in the bed. You know that was so that you know the phone you know. Like I tell everybody here in Florida, we, we we had room units in the bedrooms and we would turn them on at night. So my mom got one put in the bedroom so she could hear the phone ring in case, you know. And, and even then, nobody would ever call. You know, it's not like now. But but what I'm saying is that this, uh, like exactly like what you said, this need to be in constant communication and reachable, which, by the way, I think is the biggest stress creator of modern times. Um, 
you didn't exist and everybody was just happy very happy i remember being very happy and i didn't think i was missing out on anything but like you said nowadays yeah try try taking a phone away from uh, a kid it doesn't even have to be a teenager a kid and it's like yeah you're lucky you don't lose a finger <laughs> well it's like let's just have family dinner just yeah. put our phones away for 20 30 minutes let's mm-hmm. sit down and eat somebody will throw a tantrum and it might even be one of the parents that throws a tantrum I mean, we are so controlled by these electronic devices that cause cancer, so let's go there. And if you look into the iPhone contract, which nobody reads every word of it, and the smallest fine print that nobody can read, that nobody can read, and you click agree because nobody reads it. I never read it either. But if you go through it, it will tell you that it can potentially cause cancer uh, just from using this electromagnetic device, yes. you know, we stick it next to our ear and next yes. to our brain. I, and I, I, we I, stick it next. I've heard lately. It, 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 yes, lately. I who was it? Oh my God, I cannot remember now. This was less than a week ago. I was hearing a presentation where yes, that they were getting <laughs> a lot of um, cases of people with tumors in their heads, tumors around, like you know that that part of your skull right around your ear. Um, really unusual things of that. It's like, okay, this is, could all be attributable to the use of, or constant use of the phone at all times. And it's interesting is that American kids are testing worse than children in third world countries that don't have access to computers. Why, why is that even, how is it even possible? Because the computers are making our kids dumb. Our kids yes, are, are. are not, they're not testing well in math. They're not testing well in English. Well, let's start with math and English, two of the yes. cornerstones of yes. education. Yes. I don't care where you're from. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we are testing horribly bad in yes. third world countries that write stuff down on paper because yes. they're not able to afford board computers mm-hmm. okay are testing better than our children in school in math and english and especially you know why science. because there's something that trans when you have the idiomotor response which is what happens when you write something down yeah. as far as how it translates into your brain yeah exactly. it's more permanent and uh, i remember in second grade i was already learning how to write in cursive okay I don't even know if they teach cursive anymore, to be honest with you. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think no, they do. My, my buddy's kids did not know what a signature was. Yeah. I mean, my buddy's teenagers didn't know what the word signature meant. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was I like. Not know what that yeah, means. it was like. And, and, and I remembered <laughs> once in second grade, once you learned cursive, you were supposed to write all your homework and everything in cursive. You were expected to, everything was cursive. And I mean, back then, of course, you know, they weren't doing it because of the idiomotor response, but I think that that has a lot to do with the retention, especially the repetition, let's say, that is what you're doing in school. And um, I think also, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say the United States, because I know some, some areas are better than others, but some school systems, but I think that teachers don't teach like they used to. They just teach a little no, bit and give these don't. kids three hours worth of homework and they don't like and and, and i know for a fact that uh here and you know all, you're familiar with florida you know that they have the fcats which is where they they test the school 
based on the all the time those kids were stressing out i had there's kids that stress out young kids because they would get hammered by their teachers and of course it comes down the pipeline from the administration that the school has to do well on the placement so they were getting more classes based on performing well in these tests versus being taught what they're supposed to be learning whatever their grade level was so i totally understand what you're talking about there that yeah so it's and 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 you know what the powers that be know and understand that this is happening and they're doing it on purpose it's not like yeah Oh, technology is freeing us. No, actually, technology is enslaving us. Yes, I agree with that. Our children. And so if you want to go to the chemtrails, the chemtrails are full of barium, strontium, aluminum, and other particulate matter Mm -hmm. that absorbs into our bloodstream, through our skin, and we breathe it in at all times. And it is actually changing our physiology down to the cellular level and in effect changing our dna so why because those are all mind control agents and then and then you plug in a computer or even a phone and how easily controlled are we and this whole agenda of destroying us is working very very well and nobody wants to acknowledge it young people don't acknowledge it at all. I'm like, I boycott going to self-checkout at Walmart. Why? Because there's a machine taking a human's job. Yes. Everybody argues with me about it. They're like, well, those are menial jobs. I'm like, that's kind of arrogant to say. Think about what you just said. Those are, how many people need a menial job and how arrogant for you to say it like that? How arrogant, you know, I mean, and if you self-check out, you know, whatever, I'm going to judge you. Yes, I will. But, you know, think about it. The more you use machines to do humans' jobs, the less jobs that there are. Yes. And Elon Musk has even warned about it. If we do not do something in the next four years, 33% of all jobs in America will be gone because of computers, Internet, and technology. And nobody listening to him than they should. He's a multi-billionaire who owns his own space agency. I think he knows what he's talking right. about. Right. Normally, you wouldn't think he would worry about those things. And I tell everybody, you know what? Once upon a time, there was no such thing as self-serve gas. <laughs> you would roll into a gasoline station and an attendant would come up and pump your gas and it would be the same price. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, you do your windshield and, and, you know, you might even tip them. Yeah, and you would tip them. Those days are gone. Those days are gone forever. And you know what? Contrary to what they think, um, my youngest son, when he was 16, you know, I always encouraged my kids to have like a part-time job. And I remember he, uh, there's an area here in Miami that it's, you know, it's got, you know, nicer homes, people a little bit more money. But anyway, they had a gas station there that was one of the few gas station with the mechanics and he had pumps you know, the owner had pumps where, you know, they would get their, their gas pumped. And he worked at that say why he would tell me. And he would, and like you said, he would get tipped. They were not hurting for business. Everybody thinks, oh, no, nobody would pay the extra money. I, I beg to differ. Yes, people will pay the extra money if they can get somebody in there uh, to pump, you know, gas for them. And 
or or like what you used to do oh can you get check the the you know if my air if there's enough air in my tires or stuff like that they people will gladly pay the extra money but that seems a distant memory now <laughs> it's like everything is self-serve but uh, um have you seen the the video where walmart is full of robots stocking shelves i mean i'm sorry but that scares me you of know, course it does. Walmart is using robots. So how many people are going to lose their jobs because yes. of machines and robots? And Linda Moulton Howe, who I'm a huge fan of, and I saw her at a contact in the desert in um, uh, actually last month, mm-hmm. uh, first through the 4th in Indian Wells, California. She was talking about how there are these militarized robots that they're using around the world that have the ability to shoot people on command. I believe it. Either, yeah, or by their own call, okay? And a couple of them malfunctioned and shot up a bunch of people in the warehouse. Well, well, you know, Amazon is coming up with that supermarket where basically it's like a self-serve where it's like you walk in, I don't think it's a full scale, but it's more like, you know, a smaller kind of supermarket where you grab your stuff and yeah. you basically it's got your ID. And, and, and as you go out the door, it scans. You don't even have to like put it like it, it automatically bills you for what you took. And I'm thinking, and of course, there's no humans in sight except the, the customer that is. And I think to myself, well, there goes. And, and I think, you know, people that think, oh, you know, you're against time. I'm like, no, no, no. If you're telling me and I'm going to use an, an instance of Hollywood, if. You know, like in the Aliens movie, one of them, the second one, where she knows how to use this kind of robot that's like a forklift kind of thing. If you're telling yeah, me that a yeah. human is using technology to help it lift heavy weights, I, I'm totally on board with that technology. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong. If something is going to either protect a human being's life or safety or enable it to do better work, I'm all for it. But there's a difference between that and being replaced by the robot. And, yeah, I, I I concur. And uh, it's a. Uh, I think um, I know that, for example, um, you know, in that movie I Legend, where basically you know that they th- that everybody has like a household robot, and mm-hmm. of course you are. You know, these robots are machines, so they basically you they can have programs downloaded into them so that robot can be programmed for one thing or the other not unless and you know basically you would have somebody in your house and i remember that 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 movie is based on a book by isaac asimov which he talked a lot about he wrote some of his books on what time at what point does artificial intelligence become sentient and um I think there's something else that people don't realize, and I don't know if you've seen the trends also in Hollywood where as humans, we kind of become enamored even of inanimate objects, okay? Um, Where, in other words, I even wrote some stories where people would have robots that of course they made to look kind of human, not totally human, but that people were were falling in love with these robots. I'm thinking myself, this is a problem. If nobody sees where human beings start seeing inanimate objects or machinery as sentient beings, we're going to have a big problem on our hands. Because when you do that, you're devaluing human 
like a true full human being. I agree. And what's ultimately going to happen is that all children around the world are going to be forced to have a barcode underneath their skin so that we're scanned like groceries, just like in the movie Minority Report where they do everywhere that you go. Well, here's the absolute incredible danger of it. How many people, especially, you know, God bless, but, uh, you know, immigrants that are not on paper, you Mm -hmm. know, they're not on the books, that only can receive cash. So what's going to happen? It will create horrible riots and horrible crime because they will not be able to receive cash under the table anymore. Everything will go up in costs. Everything will go up in cost. And, you know, you hate to think that, you know, people, especially around the Mexican border, are utilizing Mexicans for cheap labor, which they are, um, and around other places. But whatever, it keeps costs low. And if we start to scan everybody like groceries, you know, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to all the immigrants that are receiving cash under the table? What's going to happen to them? They're going to have to steal to feed their children. It's a scary, ugly, ugly, ugly thing that is on its way here very quickly that nobody yeah, wants. Green kind of bar that goes right down the middle, or actually off the center of the $100 bill, and that is a tracking mechanism that they can track from satellites now. So why is it that important for them to be able to track 100s, especially, you know, well, because most of them are, I would have to assume used illegally, or at least they think that they are, or that at least they want to track them. I don't know. It's interesting to make them so that they're trackable by satellites. And you know what? That is scary when you think about it. Uh, I, I mean, I know that there's people going, oh, those cuckoo birds, <laughs> conspiracy theorists. And you know what? I think that it's when... Um, you know, when you've been alive a little while, in other words, like let's say, for example, the last 40 years, that there's been such a rush of changes and advancements and all these things, you realize, okay, there's usually a purpose to why governments do this. There is. There's usually a reason why they do this. Sure. And it's usually, you know, let's face it, um, you want to keep a hold or track of your population, especially as it grows, even though we're only 5% of the population here in the United States, you want to monitor their movements for a good reason because you want to control them. If you can monitor people, you can control them. And it's unfortunate because the truth is I, I don't want to be controlled. No. That's what that's what you do with uh, with people that have committed crimes. You know, you put an anklet on them and you track them. So. No, I, I agree. So, um, but we're all puppets in the same play, and most of us don't realize it. Kids have no idea, and they play into it perfectly. Yes, they do. They and do. They do. And what I believe is that this human creation not experiment but program which has been going on for a long time has played out before 
that this planet has been here for 4.6 billion years, but I believe it's been here much longer than that, according to astronomers, whatever. Um, and are we the first human creation experiment? If you go back into the records, you know, really, wow. human civilization is only like 7,000 to 10,000 years old. But right. no, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it at all. I believe it, that we've been around for millions and billions of years. So Jesus Christ is not original. He's not unique to this planet. That There's been um, Pleiadian Christ-like figures on this planet and other planets mm-hmm. to, set up, to set up religion, and it's been going on for millions and billions of years to get us to deify the gods. And who are the gods? The gods are the extraterrestrials. And why are we going through this darkness right now? Because you know, it's kind of dark on our planet right now, and I think everybody will acknowledge that. And yeah. why is because we're going from the third to the fourth dimension, and the fourth dimension is a transitional dimension between the third and the fifth, and the fifth is a love and light dimension, but you can't have light without the dark, and you can't have dark without the light. And unfortunately, that's what we're going through right now and the creator god aliens that see the life on this planet their planetary karma is playing out through them also because they're the ones that set it up to be this control kind of thing and now it's sucking them dry because our prayer energy goes to them to help them to ascend but now it's actually thwarting their ascension process um because you can't ascend to the light through the dark. And we're going through the dark right now. And the creator got aliens that see this planet, they're going through it too. Well, you know what? I think that also we have evolved from some of those ancient civilizations. I mean, yes, I know some of them are, you know, Maybe you had certain like astronomers and mathematicians, but as a whole, the people have advanced. We've evolved. Um, And in other words, I don't think we're so easy to give our power away in the sense of you shouldn't have to give your power away in order if you have a belief system in a deity or whether you want to call it the divine whatever in other words that's not the exchange it wants from you okay it's not like like you said hey either worship us or we're going to kill you (laughs) you know it's like that doesn't work like that um and maybe once upon a time uh maybe like you said seven to ten thousand years ago uh the majority with then then, you know of course that's why you had you know the priests at some of these temples and uh as a matter of fact i saw one time where they had done excavations at some of these temples and where they showed how many of the statues, they would make it so that they could put like a fire and make like smoke come out of the nostrils. Let's say if it was a sacred cow, I'm this is just an example or, uh, you know, some statuary. In other words, there was nothing metaphysical in the sense of divine. It was the actual priest that worked a temple being able to do things for a great show where, of course, the populace would see a statue with smoke coming out of his nostrils and go, oh, you know. And I don't think that we're not the same humans like that anymore. 
I don't think we're like that at all. No, you know what it is, is that we that are of the light um, reject all the lower energy that's trying to creep up into us and turn us into something different. So, yeah, I would totally agree with you, but certain people, and I hate to say, but the young people, they don't, they don't get it at all. They no, just don't. No, they don't. And you know what? I'm, I think that the truth is we, I think it was, um, especially I want to say with the generations, maybe since in the last 40 to 50 years, that we parents stopped paying attention to what their kids were doing, what they were learning, um, you know, like the advent of television, what they were watching, what they were reading. And by this, I don't mean you have to be the Gestapo with your kid, but it was just easy to, oh, they're doing their homework or they're watching this TV show. And, you know, nowadays it's because, again, you know, what they're learning in school or, or you know, like you said, what they're seeing on the computer. And um, that it's because it takes more time. It's more trouble to, for lack of a better word, be up your kid's butt. You know, what are you doing? Where are you going? What is that? Let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to give you uh, one of my sons, you know, him and his wife are considering having a baby. And he told me, mom, you know what? I'm seriously considering doing homeschooling. <laughs> and he's. I yeah. don't blame him. He says, well, that way you don't have to do vaccinations. Right. And he told me, he so, told me. And he's, uh, he's got so uh, much research out on vac- yeah. vaccinations and everybody wants to argue about it. But there is so much scientific data to prove that it leads to cancer and all and addiction and all kinds of other things um people that want to argue it do not read the data and do the research but it's so provable autism etc there's so much prevalent information out there and it's being ignored yes um bill gates if you heard what bill gates was doing in third world countries is he was forcing small countries in africa to take vaccinations that was that were uh, um, basically, what's the word for it? Making women sterile so that they cannot have babies. Oh my God! And he's all yes, Bill Gates, and he's all about this depopulating the planet. And I get that, but that's the wrong way to do it through vaccinations. Of course. And if course, anybody absolutely. anybody wants to Google it, it's all over out there. Um, oh, I had not heard that. You, I mean, you, I'm not surprised, but no, I had you, not heard eugenics. that. Eugenics. It's called eugenics. Yeah, no, no. I, I, and I know that there's been different... Um, because let, let's face it, it, it. In an ideal world, every child would be born to parents that wanted that child and under the best circumstances. That's, But we don't live in an ideal world. I, and I understand sure. that that, you know, adults... Some adults don't have any responsibility whatsoever for the children that they bring into this world. I understand that totally. And um, but that there's a big stretch between that and basically doing something like what you're describing, which is sterilizing a population like uh, on the sly, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, let me give you this. And um, by the way, you can't have kids. It's or it's going to bring down your fertility rates tremendously uh, which i i know and it's 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 a sick twisted 
fantasy or whatever it is with Bill Gates. I don't understand it, but if some if anybody will Google it, it's all over the internet now. Where he has, you know, he's a multi multi oh, yeah. oligopoly, oligopoly, not even a monopoly, um, multi billionaire who can afford to do this and impose his will on some of these smaller countries with these vaccines and they're they're not so much prevalent in America but they are in other countries where they are making young females um, sterile where they can't have children and it's like what that is a big problem where you were talking about archons and walk-ins mm-hmm. and, you know uh, what is walked into him to make him oh. you know I mean overpopulation is really killing this planet but that's the mm-hmm. wrong way to go about Absolutely. depopulating the planet you know by vaccines that will ultimately kill people and make them sterile I don't know it's, it's scary to think about Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you the perfect example I, I, I went last week for a checkup to my doctor not even it's not even been a week and hey you know yeah yeah, yeah. You need to take the shingles hey. vaccine. And I'm like, what, what do you mean the shingles vaccine? Well, did you ever have chicken pox? I said, yeah, a long time ago. Well, you know that yeah, the shingles vaccine, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And of course, they make it, you know, and that if it goes over your eye, it could blind you. If it gets by your ear, it could get, you could go deaf. And I'm like, okay, stop. I'm not going to take no vaccine for the shingles. It's like, no, what is this? It's like, I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, all of a sudden, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen the commercials because God knows we got a gazillion million commercials from Big Pharma, whether it's for medications or vaccines. It's like, okay, uh, you know what? I don't remember. The majority of my family and friends all had chicken pox at some point in you know their childhood or whatever. I don't remember anybody that I know having shingles. It's like, why is this now like the biggest health threat? And... I guess my doctor looked at my face and said, oh, she's not going for that. She goes, okay, well, I'm just recommending it. And I go, she goes, and there'll be no cause. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Well, they get bonuses on it too. I mean, if you had paid for it, and I can't quote every doctor out there in America, but uh-huh. they're getting bonuses from pushing the vaccinations and the pills. And it's a shame because, well, and now let's jump off and let's just go there. Let's, the opioid, <laughs> what's happening with us with the opioid addiction? Oh, my father, I can't even talk to him anymore. Absolutely horrible to deal with because his doctors have him strung out on Oxycontin Ooh. and other painkillers. And my dad is one of those people. He's not a happy drunk at all. When he does anything to intoxicate himself, He's mean, mm-hmm. and he's got a Ph.D. in education, and he thinks he knows everything, which he almost does, but he really doesn't <laughs> but know still. that much. Uh, God, and he's mean and nasty and confrontational, and and I can tell the second he's on those pills, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and I hate to think, and I hate to even say he has really damaged my relationship with him sure. because of listening to his doctors who are making plenty of money off my rich oh, yeah. father. Yes. And it makes me want to vomit in their faces and take them to court. Yes. It's, it's you know, very, I, I stand to get rich when my dad dies and I hate to think that I will because of what they're doing to him. My, you know, both my grandparents lived into their nineties. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, God, I hate to even go there. If Dad continues on this path of listening to his doctors and taking all these flipping, flipping drugs that they are telling him to take, and he listens to everything they tell him to do, oh, and he's take- telling him. I am so glad you brought that up because you know what? Uh, A lot of people think that the only ones that are addicted to these opioids are younger or even middle-aged. No. They don't realize that there's a whole slew of older people that are addicted to Zanny bars, all these things. And some of them began innocently enough because, you know, sometimes, you know, people have had an accident or something and they're given the, you know, some type of pain med. But it's like, wait a minute, where's the doctor saying when they come up for the, which by the way, I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but I've had a lot of experience in this as far as with, um, you know, what would the doctor, let's say if it's your doctor, let's say he prescribes you uh, a pain med, let's say you had an injury. When you come back for a refill, your doctor should be saying, "Uh, okay, so-and-so, why, what's what's going on? You're still in pain? Really where? How, How bad is it? Okay, instead of giving you another prescription. But that's the problem. They keep writing the prescriptions. Now, the flip side of that is people don't realize this. You walk into an emergency room at any hospital and you're screaming in pain and you tell them this hurts and they could do a gazillion tests. They can't find an injury, but who? how, how do they prove that you don't have any pain when you're saying that I'm in horrible pain and you're screaming? Guess what they do? I hate to say it they give you something for pain and what they do is a lot of uh, if if they don't go to pill mills then they go off and they do the round of going to these different emergency rooms walking in there screaming their head off and saying they're in horrible pain and the hospitals are like huh but they're afraid of that somebody is legitimately in pain how can how, how can you look at somebody and say no you're not really feeling pain you're just lying it's 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 become monstrous now that people are you know, paying attention to it, but it's been around for a few years. Uh, you know, the, the what's going on with the opioid dependence. And it's very sad, too. It is, and when it's personal to you, like, you know, like my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's close, somebody close to you that you love, you see them going through it, and there there's no way to even talk to them about it. You know, they are so addicted. I mean, yes. it's like worse than crack cocaine. Yes. You know, there's no getting through to them. They will not listen to anything that you say. They will fight with you to mm-hmm. the nail over it and defend their doctor. Yes. And they're uh, basically a pill junkie. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to even, you know, my PhD father in education, I, I hate to call him out on it, but he is. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you and, know what? A lot of another doorway for older people is also that they'll go to the doctor and it's on one of two things. I have a hard time sleeping. I can't sleep. I can't fall asleep or I can't sleep through the night, number one. Or two, they, for some reason, they start experiencing anxiety. Or they, maybe they've been anxious all their lives, but for some reason as they get older, they just can't quite handle it anymore. So that's right. a lot of times a lot. It doesn't also always have to be an injury. A lot of times they go in there and then, let me tell you something, and once... um once you're addicted to any of these op- opioids, you can't just go cold turkey. You you need help to detox. And I think sometimes people get embarrassed. They don't want anybody to know that, hey, I'm addicted to this. 
And, you know, because they think that if they go to a rehab center or someplace or their doctor to get help, to detox, like everybody will know about it. And it's like, yeah, but you better not go cold turkey because you could end up dead. So I think you know, so what do they give crack babies? They give crack babies small doses of crack because they will go into cardiac arrest mm-hmm. because of the physical addiction. Of course. So, you know, so how, how do you even combat that problem? You're going to give a, a newborn infant crack? Well, if you don't, it's going to die because it's yes. already addicted. Yes, and do. you can't go, you know, you just came out of the oven and now you're going to go cold turkey. No, they can't. You'll kill can't. the you'll kill the baby. Yes, like, yes. They have wow. to basically. They, they, they Yeah, they have to go through a, a a series of basically. Yeah, you can't kill the child by you know taking away from what it had in the womb. So yeah, I mean it's it's very very sad as far as um, you know what and people could say well you know what there's always been addiction if it wasn't one thing it was the other throughout human history and yeah I agree that sometimes it is. Unfortunately, that's part of, but I don't think to the, to the level that we see it nowadays, where a lot of uh, people that have, you would think a lot to live for, all of a sudden they're just, their whole world, they lose family, friends, businesses, relationships because of the addiction. And it's a shame. Uh, It's becoming a pandemic. It really yes, is. It really is. And there's so much money in it. And, uh, you know, uh, like a hundred and something years ago, Rockefeller found out that hemp could heal almost anything. So they started putting forth these measures to ban it. You know, the first Henry Ford motor vehicle ran on hemp oil. Mm-hmm. There are vehicles that were in the 30s that could run on basic gasoline and get over 200 miles a gallon. And when they found out all this in the 30s, and when they found all this out, you know, they banned hemp, they they banned certain things and brought in petroleum and brought in plastics and brought in things that make lots of money and hurt our planet. And these are some of the Draco human reptilian hybrids I was talking about. The yes. Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Trumps, the Obamas, the Bushes, the Clintons, etc. They're all part of that Draco reptilian bloodline. You cut them open, they look like humans, but they're either, they either have an archon in them and or they have a, a, a full-on reptilian bloodline in them. And uh, Princess Diana called out Queen Elizabeth for shape-shifting into what she called the lizard people. And right after that, she was murdered, in my estimation, in that tunnel. Mm -hmm. You know, right after that, after calling Queen Elizabeth the lizard woman, you know. Yeah, and it's it's not because she didn't like her (laughs) mother-in-law. I mean, she didn't like her, but... (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of people that could say, yeah, my mother-in-law's, you know, but I think she meant it literally, not figuratively. That is an evil woman, yeah. But yeah, there's yeah, a... and, and and get this that um, George Bush Jr. is cousins with Prince Charles. So really, are you kidding me? They're cousins. I did really? not know that. And they're and they're related to Hitler. So what? How, and they're so how far does this Draco reptilian human hybrid bloodline 
go through the whirling, ruling class of the world permeates more cultures than we would ever know. I know. It's like, yeah, when you start trying to unravel it, you know, you follow that, that thread back to the origin. It's kind of surprising what what you find out. But you know what? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree that I think it's only a matter of time bef- before, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say things get exposed, but I think people are awakening to that things are not just exactly the way they seem. And I know some people don't want to look at it that way because they're scared. They want to keep everything the way it is. It's like, oh, you know, I'll bury my head in the sand and pretend. If I pretend it's not like that, then it won't be. And, um, but I think overall there's a lot of people that are waking up and going, uh, you know what? That burying the head in the sand thing is not going to work. Because if not, we're going to wake up and we are going to be enslaved. Uh, we're going to be enslaved for everything. Not only our movements, our thoughts, uh spiritual beings on all levels and i personally i'm i'm a believer i'm i believe in humans i I believe in the goodness of human beings you know i know there's people out there that that don't but i'm one of those that do you know so yay humans and i'm with you i'm with you (laughs) And, and and you know what you bring up such a perfect point is that we can only be controlled if we allow ourselves to be yes so the number one thing is to know and understand the best that we can when information is out there. And not all of it is true. Not everything that I said or that you said on this show is completely true, but whatever. If half of it is true, then mm-hmm. we all need to take a step back and go, you know, wow, and put it in perspective. But know yes. that we have a sovereign soul that... It's up to us to not be controlled. Yes. If we are controlled, it's because we are enabling it to happen. Right. We don't have to succumb to the power of computers. Right. What do I do to combat this problem? I'm on my phone every day, all day long. You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, but I don't have to be a slave to it. And I I am, but I don't have to allow it to control my mind and I choose not to and you don't either no and, and you know what I'm totally for technology technology has oh, made our, my it. life a lot easier and I tell everybody I met you through I met you through technology yeah <laughs> so. it's like hey you know what I remember growing up with an AC now I'm a big cry baby if I'm outside of the AC too long it's like oh my god it's so hot and I'm sweating oh my god you know I, I get it and I have no problem with technology as far as it provides comfort and safety for humans and uh, gives us a better quality of life. But there's a big, huge difference between that and using technology to bind us. And I think the worst part is that we are willingly giving our freedom, our ability to make a choice. Like we're, we're, we're giving, it's not like, like you said, it's not like the mothership landed and we're like, okay, well, I guess we don't have a choice. It's like, no, we're, 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 you know, we're going, okay, here, all right. Yes, sir, may I have some more? It's like, we keep doing that because, you know what, we're too busy multitasking. And, and as a matter of fact, to, was it today or yesterday, I saw an article where people 
are going to places for solitary confinement in order to relax. What does that tell you? Solitary confinement that it was usually left to punish a human being. People are seeking out like, oh, I want to go to this hotel. I want to go to this place for solitary confinement as in not only are you alone, but of course there's no phone, no nothing so that I can relax. What does that tell you? It's like, what? Yeah. No. What about your own home? Can't you find solace and sanctuary in your own home? And if you can't, can't you create it? Well, you can, sure. unless you think you can't. But you can. We all can do that. You know what? I'm not, well, you know what? I, I'm going to give you a perfect example. I, I've always been a reader, so at the end, push comes to shove. I'll grab a book and just read. I, I have a problem with it. But like what you were talking about when the hurricanes came through and Irma came through, I spent a week without electricity. And it was like, oh, my God. Let's Besides the inconvenience, no, what's more than inconvenience, no AC, that was, that was hard. But, you know, we had a generator. But still, so much of what we do centers around even having access to electricity, the Internet, everything. And there was a part of me going, oh, I hate this. But there's a part of me going, well, Marlene, guess what? Not everybody, you know, this, this is not, there's places in the world that this is the norm. Okay. So what would happen if, it wasn't a week. What would happen if it was a month, two months, three months? What would you do? So yeah, uh, we're all we're, we've all been seduced by the comforts of technology. What can I say? Yeah, we're all guilty. We're spoiled. We don't really know. We don't even have a a sense of contrast, really, because we haven't really lived it. Um, I, I you know what? I sat outside from two until five in the morning to look for UFOs with my night vision goggles and mm-hmm. I got eaten alive by bugs <laughs> and I started and I started to think what was it like a few hundred years ago before they had off you know I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean, before they, yeah before they had exactly like, how, could, how could they even stand it yes. you know I mean really I'm sweating it's outside it's two in the morning yeah. I know I'm in short short sleeves I'm sweating I'm getting bit by bugs uh-huh you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're like, we're like, yes, when it comes to stuff like that, even we overlook all these things that now we take for granted. So yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I love technology. I like advancements because every once in a while you have a taste of what it's like not to have them. Like I said, like when a hurricane rips through, you know, your neighborhood, but um, it brings it home to you. But again, you still do have a choice of how much you let go of your, you enjoy those things, but there's between that and letting go of your personal freedoms, there's a big distance between one thing and the other. You know what? And it's like, I love air conditioning, but not if somebody told me, yeah, you can have all the air conditioning you can you want in the internet. But by the way, we're going to take away all your freedoms and uh, you just got to stay at home or do what we say and think what we think. And you can only watch on TV what we let you watch. And... Uh, we're only going to expose you to what we, as in the collective, we want to expose you to. And that's that. No, I don't want, I don't want, I, I love air conditioning, but and I'm just using that as an example, as a contrast. Not that much. Far from it. And this is interesting. If you think about the gods, the gods who um, would create a, a temple with a chamber in the top. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, they did not have air conditioning. They didn't. And yep. 
there is there's more pyramids in Mezzo in Central America than there are in the whole world combined. And how hot would it be there? And yes. you know they were highly evolved. So why why would they not have air conditioning? Because they needed to connect to the earth spirit yeah. through the stones. Yes. The the earth rocks were so in tune with Mother Gaia, Pachamama. And You've in, heard the term. In truth, yes. Why? In truth, they weren't. They didn't think they were missing out on anything. They didn't. Yeah, because I mean, it was otherwise, just... yeah, they would. They'd be in edifices that were a few hundred feet tall, made out of steel, mm -hmm. that had air conditioning and heating and ventilation. Well, no, no, they didn't do that. They lived just like the common folk. I mean, yeah, they had their their palace on top of a pyramid or whatever, but I mean, they didn't have air conditioning. Why? Because they were more grounded with Mother Earth, which yeah. we're coming more separated from. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we have. Unfortunately, yes, we have. And we've dimmed down our ability, our intuition, uh, understanding what our gut tells us, other senses than the five that we normally use. Yeah, we've dimmed that down quite a lot because other words we were t people were told you're imaginative at the best or crazy at the worst you know if if you said and, and i'm sure you understand if you said you heard or saw something or acted upon a hunch it's like yeah all right i think it's our loss well yeah your gut i mean that's actually very um, figurative and literal at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've read a number of books on meditation, psychic abilities, and a lot of them are, come from different schools of thought. But what I have learned is your visceral um, has so much that plays into your intuition, yes. your gut instincts. And it's kind of lost in translation. A lot of us think it comes from our chakra and or our third eye, which mm -hmm. is absolutely true. It is. Right. But a significant portion of it, since we're all part of our own pantheon within ourselves, mm -hmm. comes from your gut. And if yes. you're basically unhealthy, you usually have problems in your visceral. Our immune system comes from our, our stomach. Yep. And we don't think about that a whole lot, if at all. Really? Yeah, right in the area of our solar plexus. Yeah, people don't, uh, you know, that, in other words, that there was, um, that there was, there's more of a connection with our physical bodies and what's the ethereal body as far as, like you said, the chakras and uh, all these pressure points and places in our body that sometimes, well, one impinges on the other. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you've heard where people that manifest diseases or other types of affliction on a physical level, basically the origin of it is something that the body's expressing either a problem either mentally or spiritually that it hasn't been resolved. So eventually it just manifests on a physical level. And sometimes it's been there for years and it, it just finally becomes, how can I say, seen on a physical level, but it's been there for quite some time. And, and I would agree also with that. And um, somebody really close to me, she, she's been really negative lately. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been telling her about 
there's this experiment, and it's not even an experiment anymore, but let's say you have two glass jars of water, and on one of them you write love. Yes. And then on the other one you write hate and death. Mm-hmm. And if you flash freeze a molecule of the water, the water that says love on it will yes. look like a beautiful snowflake. Yes. And then the one that says hate and death, if you flash freeze a molecule of the water and you look at it under a microscope, it looks like cancer. Right. So it is so incredibly important for, for us to think about what we think manifests our own reality in our, in our body, mind, spirit. Um, so if you get, if you're sickly and this individual is sick all, all the time, and it's a lot of it's from being negative. Yeah. Because yeah. you're charging the water in your body. Your bodies are 70 whatever percent water. And if you're negative all the time, what kind of charge are you putting on that water in your body? And then if you're so negative all the time and your negatively charged water in your body is negative, what is that doing to you? It's going to make you sick a lot. Well, and I think that, you know, the laws of physics, it's basically, it's it, people don't realize that sometimes long before people talk, they have this inner dialogue going on inside, you know, things that they say right. to themselves yeah. sometimes for years that basically has that effect, you know, like what you were saying. Uh, here we're talking, you know, water that's being, that crystallizes with, with different patterns and based on just the words that are being used, you know, it's, and it's still affecting. Now, can you imagine what happens to somebody that has this inner dialogue of things that they say to themselves as far as, you know, because sometimes the things that people say to to themselves uh, as far as horrible things, they wouldn't say it to even a stranger. And then also things that they say as far as how they feel or you know, that after a while you think, well, it's just something I'm saying, you know, like, oh, that's just uh, an expression. But people don't realize that you say that often enough to yourself in your inner dialogue and eventually also verbally, mm-hmm. you know, out. Right. And yeah. you're basically telling your body, your brain, your cellular body, this, whatever, whatever it is that you're saying. You know, you're convincing it. So, yes, I absolutely People don't don't understand, and, and I know it takes a while because even I catch myself because we, of course, we get inundated and and hit by different sources, whether it's television or whatever we're watching, certain you know expressions that are used, and it's like no, you know, you can't do that. You can't say that to yourselves. Much you, like in other words, you wouldn't say it. You wouldn't even say it to the stranger on the street. How can you say that to yourself? Whether whether it's you know repetition that you heard from a, an authority figure when you were a child growing up, uh, or you know this belief, I want to say that some people think that by demeaning themselves, they're making themselves more worthy. One of those weird belief systems that don't don't do that, don't because you're basically going to manifest it in your body eventually. So you will, and it's funny because that individual I was talking about called me <laughs> right when I started talking about this. And oh, really? I, uh, wow. Yeah, since we're not, since we're not on Skype, I, <laughs> but wow. yeah, that, well, you know, you know how the spirit world works. Yeah. You know, start, that's interesting. Start talking about something and, you know, 
What? Things happen. What a, what a coincidence, cos- huh? <laughs> yeah, the cosmic egg. The cosmic yes, egg yes. Isn't that unusual? Right <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like somebody pulled those strings and went ding, 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 and it's like, yep. Well, anyway, John, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time this evening. It has been absolutely wonderful to interview you and speak to you about all these areas that hopefully they're before at one point, maybe 20 or 25 years ago, they were seen as fringe subjects of conversation and they're becoming more mainstream because like I said, more people are realizing that this is not conspiracy theorist. There's, these are questions that need to be asked and hopefully to get answers, however unpleasant they might be when we get them, but we need to know the truth ultimately. I agree. And the most important thing to keep in mind is that we create our own future yes. and the future is positive if we allow it and enable it to be so. Yes. So be positive and the most difficult time to be positive is when you don't have any reason to be positive. Yes. That's when you should thank God the most for what you have. Yes. Cause trust you me, you know, a lot of the world is, you know, whole lot of worse situation than we are right oh, now. Oh, yes. People don't realize so, it, that yes, yes, yes. No, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. So blessed to be as messed up as our country is with our leadership and etc. It could be a yeah, whole yeah, lot but worse. We, but, but yeah, but the standard of living that we have while we figure it out is, is still yes. very desirable. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, it's like... Thanks, but, uh, you know, I'll I'll stay here and we'll figure it out. (laughs) But just leave me right now. Right. All right, John, thank you so much and have a wonderful evening, okay? Happy Fourth of July. All right, right, you too. Thank you, Marlene. Bye-bye. So, everybody. Hmm. Let me tell you, I wasn't kidding. A lot of the stuff that me and, and John talked about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were like, oh, yeah. In other words, yeah, that you had some groups or some people that talked about it, but it was like way out there. And a lot of people believed it or wanted to talk to it. I'm going to give you a beautiful, a wonderful case in point. Back in the 90s when Art Bell uh, started his show, that he would just take calls from all these people telling these stories. Yeah, every once in a while, you'd, you you know, you'd hear a caller is like, oh, this person's not, there's something wrong there. But the bulk of them, you know, they, I think, wanted to have a way to say about these experiences or their belief systems about things and, you know, the people he would interview because these were normal, regular, everyday people who were having these experiences. So it's not that they hasn't been around. It's just that, let's face it, nobody wants to be thought of as crazy. Or if, you know, you had a job that you thought, man, that's it. My career advancement's going to go nowhere if anybody ever finds out that I saw or believe in this or whatever. But anyway, I'm glad that a lot of these things are coming to the forefront and they can be discussed. As in, well, you know, everybody's seen Ancient Aliens and I think they've been on the air now, I think, I want to say 11 years. Okay, and I mean, I love it because I'm into historical and I love, and they use a lot of historical um, facts and information. I So... And I think a lot of people, they like that too. But yeah, you know what? I'm sure a lot of the questions that are asked nowadays, they'll end up, if we ever get an answer, 
being like, no, on the wrong track. That's not what it was. But, but I want to say that there is a chance that eventually, if I'm not going to say, I don't want to say if, when we get to truth, we were pretty much on the money, as in we, as in the people that have these theories that, that, that there's more to what's been going on behind the scenes than what we've been led on to. Okay, and and I've said it before, yeah, I, I know there's a certain portion of the population that if we, they were ever told we've been visited by aliens or we have their technology or a bunch of other stuff, let's say, they, they just couldn't hold it. But I think that the excuse that's been given a lot as to that we couldn't handle it, I think they're wrong. Yeah, there's people that would have about a 24-hour going, oh my God, what's... And then after the first 24 hours, they'd be like, okay, well, how do we handle it? What's going on? What's the truth? You know, it's like, you know, give us humans some credit. Uh, so that excuse that, 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 that the economy and stuff would collapse, yeah, if a mothership flies over Washington, D.C., yeah, there's going to be people wigging out, myself included. But I think that if our governments, and I want to say the American government because I'm American and I live in America, ever came out and said, this is what we know, this is what we have, this is what we've done, and maybe up to now we didn't think it was the right time or whatever, but they, yeah, people would get a little bit mad because it took so long, and then they'd get over it. You know, like I said, people, yeah, there'd be some people that would be like, oh, you know, it's the, 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 the end of the world. Okay, you know, that's a small percentage. I think the majority of people, the majority of Americans, go <laughs> have a drink or have a Twinkie or something and talk with their families and then within the next 24 to 48 hours they'd be like okay let's hear the whole thing all of it what's going on i don't think that we would collapse i don't think that i believe in humans i, I, I believe we're flexible enough that uh yeah that even in the face of being really scared and uncertain and having something that you only see in movies or in television programs be a reality yeah, and I've said it before. I think, I think a lot of us would wig out when we're told that there's a lot that they don't know. Because then we'd be like, "What do you mean you don't know that?" You know, like, "Oh, how many?" Let's say I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the example of the aliens, for example. How many of them? Well, we've got one or two, but we're really not. We don't know if there's more. What do you mean you don't know? I think there's a lot, despite what they might know that there's they don't know. And I think a lot of people that would, that would wig a lot of people. It's like, you, you're telling me you know all these things, but I realize now that there's a lot that you don't know, you know? So, but again, at the end of the day, I think we could all handle it. I really do. And I wish in my lifetime that I would see it come to pass. And, you know, I know there's people out there that are going to listen to this and it's like, oh, Marlene, you nut about, you know, uh, not only the conspiracy theorists, but... Um, about you know what we give up as our freedoms and everything and it is and you know what i'm going to tell you why i have the luxury of having been alive for the last 50 years and in the last 50 years there have been so many changes that i know what it was like before certain advancements okay and i've seen the changes that have been for the better and things that have not 
been for the better, even though on the surface it doesn't seem like it's not for the better. What he was talking about was absolutely true. About schools and everything. Yeah. You know what? Um, <clears throat> you could say, <clears throat> you know what? Kids with computers and everything. And yeah, kids nowadays are whiz with computers. But you know what? Before schooling was that, at least basic arithmetic and everything, you didn't need a computer or a calculator to figure things out. If you were one of these brainiacs that was really into math, you wouldn't even need uh, uh, a scientific computer. I mean, yeah, unless you were getting into advanced sciences and yeah, and microscopes or you know, or mathematics. But I'm saying, your average kid knew arithmetic, knew writing. Um, you comprehension, all these things that are, have nothing whatsoever to do with computers, that the computer was up here. We had it. And I think somewhere it's been lost along the way. You know, um, that's why I'm saying I think that that us, uh, that we need to keep those things in mind as far as what the future holds, because let's face it, I doubt it very much technology is going to fade away. It's not. They're going to come up with other things. I just think, though, that it has to be monitored and on a personal level as to what you're going to accept as far as intrusion into your personal life or how much dependence you have on it. Because basically, that's what we were talking about. Even though we went even off into the opioid um, addiction problem that we're having is how we let these different things of the modern world, how we become dependent on it. And by this, I mean one thing is to like something and enjoy it and it's great and the thing is to be dependent on it which means if i don't have this whatever it might be my computer the internet a drug i can't function i stop functioning okay and that's where the problem comes in where we can't afford to have a country a generations there's multiple generations that if certain things are not around all of a sudden everything comes to a total standstill as far as on our day-to-day -day, you know you know but i i think there's a lot of things that and i i i feel this is my own personal belief that a lot of the things that we see nowadays is like a decoy like look at the birdie look at the birdie so you really don't look at the more serious things that are going on with it whether it's with our schools the quality of our education what's been going on with uh with drug problems um, where yeah there's always been people that have had addictions let's say alcohol addiction and drug addictions but that like I said that there's a lot of people out there that you would never think of them as being addicts old people you know that you know you always think of the, the the young person the one that's gotten into problems with drugs there's a lot of older people running around there with massive addiction problems and it's like, you know what? This didn't creep up from one day to the next. And, um, you know, everybody thinks, well, it's up to the government to, to, to play policeman. But, yeah, but no. I think it's individually up to each of us as to, I don't want it for myself. I don't want it for my family. I don't want it for my children and all my descendants to live under those. Uh, but, unfortunately... Uh, I think that that kind of awareness requires a little bit of work. And we're so much into, oh, I'm going to binge on what's on Netflix. 
<laughs> you know, or things like that, which are wonderful. But you know what? There's a moment where you got to say, you know what? I want to go and watch that TV show, but I'm going to shut off the TV right now because I have to take care of this. I have to do this. And I think sometimes a lot of people have a problem doing that. You know, so anyway, guys, let me get off my soapbox. I hope you love this show. I know I loved speaking to John. There will be a link to his website on the credits of the show. Please catch me Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my true believers, do not forget to go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Find the Submit Your Story tab and leave me a way to get a hold of you. Either if you want an interview, buy me for a story. If you want to email me a story, whatever whatever you however you want to do it that's fine with me okay i've got a lot of fantastic guests coming up and i know probably by the time you see the show the fourth will have passed but even so for all of you out there happy birthday america happy fourth of july and again guys thank you so much for being part of my audience you are almost definitely wonderful take care <laughs>